Good morning. Welcome to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Hey, sorry for being gone so long. Last few weeks, the weather and all, and the holidays. But we're back, and uh, we're going to do a show. I like to touch on these kind of topics every so often, and I think this is very important. And my guest is going to tell a great story that's going to be very helpful to a lot of people. But let me begin with this. 40,000 Americans died last year. Men, women, children, old, young, rich, poor, college educated, not college educated, hard workers, whomever. 40,000 of them succumbed to the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, suicide. Now, this is a topic, as I said, we have covered before, but we're going to take it from a different angle today. Uh, I want to bring something out, I think, that is still not talked about enough, that is not understood enough, that I think people even look down at because they don't understand it. Suicide itself is very hard to understand unless you've been there uh, attempting to take your life or contemplating it. I can tell you straight up, people who attempt suicide or unfortunately fulfill it, they really don't want to die. They just want the pain to go away. Think about that for a second. They don't want to die. They want the pain to go away. The pain is that overwhelming. Add that to the guilt feelings that are just going through them and the fear and then the feeling of being a burden. But I want people to think again. Someone who attempts or unfortunately fulfills the commitment to commit suicide does not want to die. They truly just want the pain to go away. My guest today is going to discuss with us one of the reasons uh, that people can become depressed and go in that direction. My guest is Tina Zorn. We're going to talk about talk about postpartum depression. She wrote the book, Why I Jumped, and we're going to get into all of that. And Tina, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Oh, I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for taking so, you know, just kind of staying with me through the process until we can get live on the show. It, it, Tina, I, I want to jump right into it. I want to... Go to the uh, the day, July nineteenth, two thousand four. I just okay. want to know how your day started. What was happening that day, that morning? You got up. Um, can you kind of walk us through just the morning part leading up? Well, I was in my my mom had come up from Arizona to take care of me, and um, because I had become. Um, I felt like such a burden, but my psychomotor skills were really slowing. I could barely talk. And um, she took me up to her her house up in Shawano, which is about 45 minutes away from my home. And I want to stop and you real we quick. I'm sorry. Uh, Tina lives in Green Bay, Wisconsin area. Green Bay, Wisconsin. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, go Packers. So, so there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so please. We were about... Yeah, we were about an hour away where she lived. Um, well, she had another house in Shawano, Wisconsin. And um, we were just, she was talking to me in the kitchen, and 
she didn't understand where I was at mentally, but she was trying to take care of me. She was doing everything in her power to try to make things better and, and try to take care of me. And um, she, she said something that made me snap. Mm. Um, and um, apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently I had been talking about jumping off the Tower Drive Bridge in Green Bay. Okay. Which is a very tall, tall bridge, and you don't live if you jump off that bridge. But is that I don't a place where people, do, Tina? Is that a place locally where people have gone to unfortunately end their lives? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you and were talking about this with your mother then? No, no, uh-huh. we were just. Um, she was. She was. Um, I she, don't know. She was. She was. Uh, she. She didn't understand where I was at, and she just said, why can't you snap out of it? And that's when I snapped. I get that. I yeah, get that. I snapped. I snapped, and I grabbed the car keys. Um, I got into the car, um, and I headed for the bridge. And I'm an hour away. So, oh. And at that time, she called 911, and got on the phone, and, and she also called my husband, who was working in Green Bay at the time. And so I'm coming into Green Bay. Apparently, um, Dan tried to come find me on the highway, and um, I saw him, and I even sped up even faster. Hmm. And I was in an Oldsmobile Aurora, and there was um, a state trooper who was in Green Bay putting in his time card at the local post office and he heard the call come over on the radio and he was done with his shift and he thought he was near the highway where I was going to be coming in at. Mm-hmm. he thought you know I could I could see her so he he jumped on the highway and the, the next thing I know I I see sirens behind me but I all I'm thinking about is getting to the bridge I didn't think about stopping. I just, they clocked me at going 120 miles yeah, an hour. I read that. And the only, yeah, the only thing that I had in my mind was getting to the bridge. I didn't, I didn't even, there wasn't anything in me that said stop. Okay. It's just. Then let me stop you there. That, and I understand. Mm-hmm. Let me stop you there with that because you're on that one track mind. You want, you, you, you're hurting. You've just been hurt. By your mother, yes. because one of the worst comments someone can make to someone, anyone who's going through a clinical depression is, hey, snap out of it. Well, guess what? That's not yeah. possible. So yeah. when you say that to someone who's experiencing clinical, you know, clinical depression, you're adding more problems at that moment to the situation. I want to step back a little bit. You've gotten to the point where you're getting close to the bridge, but I want to go a little further back now. Now, okay. you were experiencing postpartum depression, and was this, I'm trying to remember, uh, was this the, right after the birth of your son, Noah, correct? Yes, okay. my second child, Noah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, your first child, Sarah, did you yeah. have any symptoms of postpartum depression after you had Sarah? I had depression, but they didn't label it as postpartum depression, and they just put me on an antidepressant, and I was on that for a year, and then I got off, and I was totally fine after that. Okay, so but they never labeled it postpartum depression. Interesting. They that just doesn't, labeled it 
It's just depression. Yeah, they, it was just depression is what they labeled it. I had no idea I had postpartum depression was there until you look back. Now, I want to go even a little further back, uh, childhood, junior high, and so forth. I, you don't need to give details of certain things, but I, I'll let my audience draw their own thoughts on it. But your childhood wasn't that great in certain areas, am I correct? Yeah, I was uh, sexually abused as a child from the ages of four until 12. Wow. And you also had some physical ailments, I believe, in way you might have some back pain along that time period, Some, you know, something as physical as well? Yeah, I was struggling with some back pain, yes. Okay, so you're, you got this combination going. Is there a history of any sort of mental illness or or just, you know, depression itself within your family uh, genetics? Yes, actually, my father committed suicide. Very sorry my about birth that. Father. Yeah, at the age of four. So, so and, and, and going back into that time period, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have known or understand what to look for. So probably getting the answers that you would need right now are probably not that forthcoming, unfortunately, at that yeah. point. So you have this genetic history. You have mm -hmm. a traumatic childhood experience that goes on for four years. And mm -hmm. you also have a physical pain. So this is a perfect storm of circumstances. Um, what was your childhood like overall going into, like, junior high and high school? Do, did you enjoy your teen years? You know, was high school a I nice time? Did. Okay. Yeah, high school was a nice time. Mm -hmm. I, um, I got into playing tennis, and I was really good at it, and I made the team, and then all of a sudden I was number one seed on the wow. team. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I really – I. Whenever I was frustrated or anything, I would go out and take the ball and just hammer at the wall at the school where the tennis um, courts were that's, and just better my game that's actually and do some serve. Excellent. So you had, you had an outlet. Grades were solid? Grades were solid. Yeah, I was a straight-A student. Excellent. Well, that's better than solid. That's, that's much better than I was. <laughs> I'll give you yeah. credit there. Now, did you ever tell anyone about the sexual abuse while you were still in school, or is this something that only came out after the incident of, of jumping off no. the bridge? No, we, we had told some people in our church, uh, the pastor in our church, about the sexual abuse, and we got counseling. Okay. And um, I, we were with my – I was living with my stepfather at the time, and he was the one who had – uh, sexually abused me uh. from four until the age of 12, so it was eight years. But um, we had gotten counseling through the church, and um, things had gotten better, and I forgave my stepfather and moved on. Excellent. Uh, God bless you for being able to forgive him and being able to move on from that. Very, very difficult. In school, in high school in particular, where you always felt like you were maybe a step ahead of a depressive episode? Were you always kind of aware that this kind of shadow was around you? Actually, no. Mm -hmm. I had I had no I had no idea that I would ever be depressed. I was totally fine. Okay. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't uh, have any experience with depression in high school, or or any time during junior high. Uh, Tina, we're, we're going to roll into a break here, and then I want to come okay. back, and we'll finish up with you know, college and so forth. And, again, I really appreciate you coming on today 
Uh, we're going to be getting a lot of good information out to the public. Uh, people need to know this. You are listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Tina Zahn. She has written the book, Why I Jumped. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Life on Ed. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today, my guest is Tina Zahn. She wrote a book called Why I Jumped. It's about her personal experience uh, going through postpartum depression and literally jumping off of the Leo. And I cannot pronounce that. And I apologize for having to ask you, Tina. How do you pronounce the bridge? Leo Frigo Bridge. Leo Frigo Bridge. It's often it's often known as the Tower Drive Bridge. Okay. Um, but then it changed its name to Leo Frigo, but it's known as the Tower Drive Bridge. Wow, and that's just the, in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area, correct? Yeah, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I wanted to make one thing clear. In Please. the last segment, we talked about my mom and me talking in the kitchen. Yeah. I just like you said, people don't understand. Um, someone who might be contemplating suicide, what's in their mind. My mom did everything. She came up here to take care of me, but, yeah. but, but uh, I was the one that snapped. So I don't want to... Oh, no, no, I understand. I, I And yeah. from personal experience, I completely understand that your mother was there to care for you. She didn't mean yeah. anything she said. It's It, it oh. goes with family or close friends. There's a frustration level they reach because yeah. they haven't lived it, so they don't get it, and they say something. They yeah. yeah, it's mm-hmm. not meant to be a trigger, and I bet your mother felt horrible yeah. at the, after yeah. after you took off. But this is how we teach the general public. This is how we teach people to understand other people in the future who are going to be experiencing these things. That's why your story and other people's stories, and the people I've had on before you who talk about depression and, and suicide. This is how we get the word out, and hopefully yes. we help more people. And that's why your book, your story, is so important. And your book can uh, still be found. It was it actually came out in 2006, but it still can be found on Amazon.com and several other uh, Internet mm-hmm. uh, book agencies. And you were also on Oprah, I believe, in 2013? We were on Oprah. We did a book launching on Oprah, and then we went the, the next day. We went to Good Morning America and did a book book launching there. That's and a, uh, you know, that's um, excellent when you did it. How how were the women? How did the women receive you? And I'm going to say the women just for a, a purpose at the Oprah Winfrey Show and at GMA. Was there? women who worked there that came up and understood exactly what you were talking about in a lot of ways as far as the uh, postpartum depression itself actually no oh. i'm surprised <laughs> no, i thought there'd be a few there but, yeah no uh, nobody came up to me and talked to me about postpartum depression because it was still so new it was still brooke shields had just released her book about postpartum depression true and and then i had released mine at the same time um, so it was just getting started to, t- to be talked about. But one thing I can say is I was treated very good at both shows. Um, the treatment that I received at the Oprah show was above and beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm glad that's the least they can do for you telling such a personal story. But uh, yeah. to kind of get back into where we're flowing here, uh, you went off to college, correct? 
Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, where'd you go? University of Wisconsin? Uh, UW Green Bay. Okay. I went to. So cold up there. God bless you people. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I, no way. But uh, college was, was good. Nothing eventful there in the sense that you weren't experiencing any kind of symptoms of depression or so forth? No, college, college was, um, it was pretty good. I look back now and I, I see that there was a semester where I kind of experienced some depression, but I wasn't medicated or anything. Mm -hmm. um, I started to run and running became one of my outlets. I would get up and run the first thing in the morning is go run three miles or run five miles mm -hmm. or whatever. That was, that was my outlet and I started running my second semester in college. Um, and that's what happened um, during my pregnancy. I was going out of the house into the hot tub and I slipped mm. and pulled all the groin muscles in my left Ooh. hip Ooh. and I became bedridden during the pregnancy. And the first pregnancy? First one? With, with Noah. Uh, with oh, with Noah, Noah when you second. Yeah, I became bedridden uh, and I, I was a runner and for me to go from running every day to becoming bedridden, that was a lot to take on. So there's a lot happening I, at that point, too. Yeah. I mean, you lost your outlet because exercise is one of the best things for people who suffer really from any, any kind of mental illness, but in particular depression, the endorphins oh, yeah. kick in. Yeah. Oh, and I had, looking back now, I had every single symptom. I had the depressed mood. I had... Um, diminished interest in, in pleasure and activities. I had appetite disturbances, sleep disturbances, um, decreased energy, feeling of worthlessness, and not ability to concentrate, and I had suicidal thoughts. So I had every single symptom. You had it there. And, there, and I was going to kind of go, you know, you kind of touched on, I'll go through a quick list here of what the symptoms are. You said difficulty concentrating, fatigue, feelings of guilt. Now, that's the odd one to me. People will feel guilt about something they really didn't do. I felt worthless, so that's kind of in the same it's category. It's in the same thing, yeah. A feeling uh, worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt, yes. Feelings of helplessness, pessimism, that can stay in the back of your head. You're trying to say you're working on a project for work, and you have these negative thoughts that just keep flowing into your head. Sure. That can ruin insomnia, irritability. Loss of interest mm -hmm. in activities that could be, you know, for an adult that could be, uh, you know, uh, sex with your, you know, with your spouse that could be hobbies, sports, what have you, things you used to enjoy. Here's the one people, you know, overeating, undereating, but persistent aches, pains, cramps, headaches. People don't realize depression is also very physical. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, now, here's where we get into, now, the thoughts of suicide. That doesn't mean you'll act on those thoughts. What were your no. thoughts like, Tina? Were they just thoughts of, like, I want to die, uh, I don't need this? I just, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to end it that day that we were in the kitchen and I was talking to my mom. I just wanted to end the pain. You opened up uh, the... The show was saying, you know, people want the pain to go away, you said. And I asked exactly how I felt. I wanted to end the pain. Um, nobody understood how I was feeling. I was on so much medication that I could hardly speak. Um, they were changing my medications every two to three weeks, and they should have been waiting longer, like a six-week period. 
um, I just wanted the pain to go away, like you said. Yeah, that's that's the point it gets to. With the postpartum, that's that's where it gets tricky because even for the longest time, doctors didn't really believe it, mm-hmm. it existed. They're, well, you're just not a good mother. You're not meant to be a mother. Um, you know, there was a lot of negative to it. And I, when you step back and think about it for a second, um, it seems almost logical that something like postpartum depression could occur in a woman just based on all the hormonal changes. I mean, one minute you're pregnant, you're in this total state of pregnancy. Within, mm-hmm. you know, the next flip of a switch, you're not pregnant anymore. Your child's born, and now your hormones are totally doing backflips and changing and everything else. So I don't understand how it took so long for medical people to figure out, hey, you know, this could be a problem here. Yeah, and today women are pulled in many directions, and this can increase their chances of becoming depressed and um because they're expected to work outside the home and also take care of the baby and everything. But, uh, no, they, the doctors were not labeling it at that time as postpartum depression. Now, was this, did your symptoms begin within about a month of having Noah? I, well, I started to become depressed while I was still bedridden. That's correct, yeah. I experienced depression. So it, it got even worse after I had Noah. And I, the postpartum depression peaks at three months after you have the baby. Mm-hmm. And it was almost exactly to the day where I had, when I actually jumped off the, the tower drive bridge. Because I actually did jump off that bridge. It was. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was. This state trooper Les Bolt who caught my wrist as I was going over. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to walk the final steps with you. At some point in the broadcast, and uh, I'm going to direct the listeners, if they're interested in it, it's not an easy video to see, but the, the dash cam video from the officer catches the whole thing. But it's also a very good, tremendous, loving moment of humanity is what the yeah. the people also witness. It's difficult, but also very positive. I want to say um, studies show one in ten, one in eight women will experience yep, postpartum depression. Uh, mm-hmm. Symptoms range, and you can help me with this one, Tina. What were the symptoms that you were, you had depression going into it because of the injury. Did the symptoms of your depression change after you had Noah? Uh, they started, they, they actually got worse because mm. um, they, they had become worse. I remember my mom taking me to one of her friends, and I was sitting on the couch, and I wanted to speak these words, and I wasn't able to, to speak. I, my psychomotor skills were so slowed down that I was not talking. I was just a – I just was not talking. Catatonic? Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, you can't – and, so, yeah, you can't communicate – when you're stuck in a hole. I wasn't able to commu- communicate, yes. It's very, very difficult. It's to be stuck in that hole and not have a voice to let people know. You might as well be in a coma. Yeah. At that point, <laughs> yeah, you might as well be a in a coma. coma. Which I was is, in a walking coma, yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, that would be a better way of trying to, to deal with what's happening. And I'm getting a high sign again from my producer, Fred, here. So we're going to 
take another break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to keep moving ourselves forward to the the moment that everything comes together. Uh, you're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Tina Zahn. She has written the book, Why I Jumped. We'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back to Life on Edit. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my special guest is Tina Zahn. She wrote a book. Uh, her experience little is back in 2004, but the book is still very relevant. It's called um, Why I Jumped. You can find it on Amazon.com and other places similar to that. Uh, let the audience know. I don't know if Tina knows, but that song is uh, from Mr. Mister. Uh, Curiation is Latin, and it means God have mercy. And I like yeah. to use, ah, so you're familiar with the song, Tina? Oh, very. It brings me back to my college and high school days. <laughs> uh, we're the same age group. That's where it goes for me as well. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's funny. People didn't, a lot of people didn't have any idea what the word meant. Um, uh, my parents did. They were Catholic. <laughs> I was raised Catholic. So they were kind of like, you know what that means, don't you? I'm like, no. And then they told mm -hmm. me, and the song has stayed with me over the years because of what it means, and I happen to like the beat to it as well. But getting back to your, yourself, I, I have to ask you about your husband, uh, Daniel. Yes. How was this at the time affecting him? The, I know as a man, I would have felt helpless as a man, as a husband. Like, what can I do? Thank God your mother showed up. But how was he yeah. handling this? I assume he was helping more with, with, with your oldest child, Sarah, but did he feel yes. trapped by everything that was happening as well? Um, I think he felt like, I don't know how to fix this. I can't fix Tina. Mm. He's one, he's a, he's a person, he's a mechanical engineer. So okay. he, is, he can fix things and um, he can take a car apart and put it back together and have pieces left over and the car still runs. <laughs> so, Yeah. And uh, it's one of his favorite things to do is work on cars and golf. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, but he he couldn't he couldn't fix me. And that's that's the hardest part too, I think, of the people that are around people who are suffering from clinical depression, be it family members, close friends. You want to fix it. You want to fix it as quickly as possible. You're seeing someone you love that is suffering. But it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. No. Uh, no. Just because you go to a doctor and they give you a medication, and I assume you experience this, hey, there's no science to this, exact science. It's trial by error. Does this medication work? What's the dosage? What's this and that? I assume mm. you were experiencing that during that time period. Yeah, I had gotten a new doctor that had just been released and I uh, was just out of school, mm. and um, he was trying different types of medicine. Every We would go in, and every two weeks he'd be switching my medicine to see what would be helping me the most. And, and, um, and what happened after the jump, what happened is they had to do ECTs on me, and a lot of people don't know what ECTs are. Electroshock the therapy? 
Yeah, yeah. that's like shock therapy. Mm -hmm. And if medication is not working quick enough, they'll yeah. try the ECT treatments, and that's what they had to use on me. Let's stop for there for a second. I want people to understand this. Electric shock therapy sounds very scary. Um, yeah. It goes back to, we'll say, the movie uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. Um, mm -hmm. It was used 30, 40, 50 years ago, if not further back, as a way of shocking the system, shocking the brain. It's much yep. different now. Um, they understand it better. It is used pretty much as a last resort for someone who is depressed and is not coming out of it. But it's not this inhumane thing that people might put in their brains and go, my God, we can't have that done to our loved one or whatever. For you, yeah. electric shock therapy was very helpful, correct? Yeah, um, because antidepressant remedies were not acting quick enough, so they elected to do the ECT treatment. And, um, yeah, it's nothing like it is was or was in the 50s, at least what I experienced. But the very first time I walked in there, it was, kind of scary i remember you know not knowing what was going to happen but it's not it, the way they have things set up nowadays it's just, just so much better and i assume that you, at that point you would have done pretty much anything to get this out of you this 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 i don't know what to call it at times i don't know this shadow this ghost that's just inhabiting you you would have done anything at that point yeah yeah the one negative thing about ECT treatment is it does take some of your memory away. So uh, there are parts of my memory that are gone during the postpartum depression, and, and sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. You know? I was going to say that. Maybe that short-term memory of that experience, maybe it's better not to have the whole experience available to you. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah, I yeah, remember. I think that's an individual thing. I think I would be right there with you on that. Did you, were you able to function pretty quickly after having the, uh, the electric shock therapy? Um, I remember it being weak, and um, it was probably, I probably was in the hospital for about three weeks. And they would do ECT treatments on me, the electric shock therapy, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Wow. And then, they, yeah, I was in the hospital for three weeks, and then they released me at home. And then I, my next memory that I have is me being in a park, and, and Grandma and Grandpa, Grandma was taking care of um, Noah at that time. <clears throat> Previous to that, my sister was um, trying to help me, um, and a girlfriend was. But uh, Grandma was brought the child, brought Noah to the park, and I remember changing his diaper for the first time on a park bench. Mm. And that's the first time that I really had contact with my own child. Did you realize at that point that some, maybe something hit you that, hey, I'm over the hump here, or I'm moving closer to getting over the hump yeah. and I'm moving forward? I was, I was over the hump, and I was, I was finally functioning again. And yeah. I was going to be taking over child care responsibilities and stuff like that. And that had to feel really good as a mother. Yeah, I have that memory yeah. in my mind. Yeah. yeah, little victories. Little victories along the way will get you out of that hole. You just have to yeah. find them. Hang on and find them. Let's go now mm -hmm. to your race into the bridge. 
Mm-hmm. The police are behind you. Do you even hear the sirens? Behind uh, you? No, no. Nothing. No, I don't even hear them. No, I don't even hear them. Is your husband trying to call? Then. Is your husband trying to call you on your cell as well? I mean, all of this has to be happening around you, but you are just so locked into getting to the bridge, correct? Yeah. I was locked into getting in there, getting through the bridge and jumping. That's all that I had in my mind. And and, um, I was on my way to Green Bay. Dan had actually hopped on Highway 29 to come find me. And he did find me, and then he went through the grassy median and started to follow me, and that's when I floored it. Yeah, there's an excerpt in your book that calls that mm -hmm. out, that Dan's making the call to 911. He even got a little confused on which direction he was going because he had done the U-turn in the medium. And the 911 operators, to their credit, stayed, as they're supposed to, very calm, and they were able to inform uh, the local police as well as uh, State Trooper Les Bolt. And we'll get to him in a second. So you're racing mm-hmm. up. You're not hearing any of the sirens. You, no. You're just focused on jumping off of this bridge. Yeah. Because you want to end that pain, and again, very few people ever understand that. Yeah. You now on the here. Here's the. This is the interesting part to me, and I actually rewatched it for the first time this morning myself. Because of your book, it, it, now help me with this. It appears that you did a reenactment on one of the videos. Was that you doing a reenactment? Then it's your voiceover. Yep, mm-hmm. we did the reenactment to. Um, to be able to publish the video, yeah. Okay. That reenactment, before it cuts to the actual dash cam of uh, of the officer, that reenactment was very difficult for me to listen to, your voice. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I had my 17-year-old daughter next to me, and she's like, um, what is she saying? I said, you, we turned it up. I said, this is, this is real, I told her. I said, this is as real as it gets. Mm-hmm. And uh, for you, then it cuts to the dash cam. Mm-hmm. And if yep. people want to see this, please go to YouTube. Um, you can type in why I jumped. And I'm not saying this for a morbid reason. I think people need to see this to understand. So please go. And you also need to see this because of the uh, heroism of the state trooper. <laughs> Give him all the credit, too. You park the car. You get out. You look from the, you know, from the dash cam almost robotic. Yeah, when I, when I saw first saw that video, I couldn't believe how slow I walked over to the bridge and just jumped because in my mind, things were racing in my mind. I was racing to get to the bridge, so I thought when I first did see the video that I would be coming out of the car and running over to the bridge, but I didn't. I just, like, got out of the car, walked over, and jumped. The odd part to me, I, was, I kept thinking about this, too. Your motor skills are slowed down, but you were hitting speeds over 100 miles per hour. You did not hit anyone. You did not cause an accident. It appeared that your motor skills were as sharp as ever at that moment. It was on a Monday morning, so, yeah, traffic was at a minimum. Uh, it was right around 10 o'clock, I think. Thank God. On a Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you get out of the car, you look robotic, and then you just walk over. There's no mm-hmm. hesitation. There mm-hmm. is no hesitation. You don't stop. You don't look at the officer screaming out to you. You don't look down nope. below at the water that's 200 feet below you. You don't do anything but nope. go over 
the oh, side over, of that yep. ridge. And I didn't hear the officer either. I didn't hear him say, ma'am, ma'am, like you said. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear any of it. And, and then, um, yeah, he uh, he caught my wrist. And he, uh, so there I remember hanging with from one wrist, one of, one of my wrists he caught. And then the second officer shows up, Russ, um, let's see, Les Bolt was the retired, he was the yeah. state trooper mm -hmm. that caught my wrist. And then Bill Morgan shows up. He was a Brown County cop. He grabbed the other wrist, so now I'm hanging. Both have have a wrist. And then the third police officer shows up, and I remember him taking the back of my pants and then grabbing me up and over and putting, then they laid me or sat me down on the cement and asked me what hospital I wanted to go to. Wow. Now, when Trooper Bolt grabs you by your wrist and... You're hanging there. Do you realize what is happening? Do you realize you're hanging off a bridge? A mm -hmm. cop is holding you. Or are you still in the mindset, I have to get, I have to drop? Are you still in that mindset? No, no, I don't remember being in that mindset. All I remember, and I don't remember the jump either. Okay. I don't remember that either. I don't. I had to watch the video because my last, memory was of a couple miles out on the highway wow. i don't i don't remember the jump at all i, I mean because again i i watched it a few times this morning the heroism you could have taken trooper bolt with you if yeah. he, he wasn't yeah. a big enough guy and had the stability of the barrier which was very helpful if his yeah. body weight had shifted you could have pulled him with you and maybe even Officer Morgan, if he had come on at the scene at the right time and momentum was carrying him. Um, yeah. They got you up. From what I understand, uh, all three officers were very happy to see you alive and stayed with your case. And, and you know, there was a, a lot of understanding uh, through them. There, there was, appeared to be something that and you don't normally see. Yeah, they had pulled my husband over um, prior to the bridge, and apparently he had been sitting in the back of a police car, and he heard over the radio, she jumped. Uh. And and then it was seconds, you know, many seconds later when he heard, we got her. Wow. So he had actually thought I jumped, yeah. And I assume and we got Assume they stabilized you, and then they took you right to a hospital. They took me right to the hospital. I have the next memory I have is being I was um, in the emergency room, and I was handcuffed to a bed. That's my next memory. Yeah, that's a 5150, so you're in that position. Tina, we're going to take our last break of the show, and we're going to come back, and we're going to end this up in a real positive note. That's where we're going to head. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Tina Zorn. She's written the book, Why I Jumped. It can be found on Amazon.com. Be right back. Welcome back to Life Unedited, final segment in the show. You are listening to myself, John Averly, my special guest today, Tina Zorn talking about her book why i jumped her experience on july 19th 2004 suffering from postpartum depression 
not able to get the help that she truly needed, not by really any fault of anyone close to her, just more or less by how people understand depression and in particular postpartum depression itself. Uh, she I would like to say she attempted to jump off a bridge in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but I have to say she succeeded, and thank God um, a trooper uh, was able to catch her, and I'm, for some reason I lost the trooper's name, uh, Trooper State Trooper Les Bolt, Les Bolt. Mm-hmm. caught her, grabbed her by the wrist before she plunged 200 feet into the water. Officer Bill Morgan, also on scene, was able to help pull her in. Uh, do you think about that day a lot, Tina, or is that just something that it happened? It's put my life on a different course for the better, and I'm going to move forward? Yeah, I think the la- the latter. Mm-hmm. I don't really think about that day a lot. Um, I don't have, uh, the, like I said, I I don't have the memory of the jump. So, um, but um, it's in the past, and and I just put one foot in front of the other right now. So. Was it? How was it writing the book for you? How was it? Uh, did you feel good? You were, a, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I had a prayer team. Um, from my church because I was going to the local community church here in Green Bay and I had a prayer team that prayed me through the book Mm. and there are pictures of them in the book and I'm so close to two of the ladies that um, that were on the prayer team and I see one of the ladies, Candy Shackelford, I see her on a weekly basis still. We get together every Friday and Robin just lives a couple doors down from me, Robin Fisher. Okay, and there's pictures in the book of the prayer team that made you know prayed me through the book, but the book was not hard to write. I have to say, felt good it was to write. A very it. hard book. It felt good to write it. It was hard to write because we were on, we, you know, they give you deadlines and stuff like <laughs> that, and we had to, you know, get it out at a certain time and everything. But um, but it felt good to get everything down on paper. Yeah. Is your relationship with your husband different better does he understand i mean these are a lot of firing a lot of questions at you but is there an understanding of what happened really wasn't you this wasn't you making this decision this is not your fault has that um is that understood now i don't i don't really know what to tell you the truth you'd have to talk to him but um he he's a little bit different than I am because he's a mechanical engineer. He's got a different different mindset than I do. Um, I'm the one who does a lot of talking and who's you know very um, animated and stuff like that. But um, um, I don't know. I have to leave it at that. Now, I, don't I can tell you, with my regular work, I deal with a lot of engineers. And you're right, their Mm -hmm. mindsets are very, very different. They look at Mm -hmm. something and they they look at it and go, how can I dismantle this? How can I repair it? How can, you know, whatever. That's their approach. And it is different because they don't let, and it's not a negative or a positive. They just, there's certain things they don't let emotions or things cloud what they have to do, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your mother... Mm -hmm who, unfortunately, she didn't say anything that has never been said to a depressed person 
Meaning, can you just snap out of this damn thing? She meant it with love. Yeah. You guys are okay. That was pretty much taken care We're of. We're good. Yeah, great. We're good. I love her a lot, and she's great. She lives in Phoenix, but she's actually she's up in Michigan right now taking care of my grandma. So oh. I was able to visit her three times in the last three months. So. You guys are probably closer now than ever. Yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah. We're pretty good. Now, your children, I don't uh, how old is Sarah now? Sarah is 17. Mm-hmm. She is a senior, and she's going to be going off to college. So that's going to be a big change in my life because uh, we're just, like, uh, so close. And then Noah is 11 years old, so he's in middle school right now. And um, he just loves um, I, I don't know. I give him all the loving I can, hugs and kisses, and he still takes it from me. So. <laughs> That's yeah, a good he's thing. still taking it. Are yeah. they aware of what happened? I mean, I assume Sarah is more so. Is, has she ever watched Sarah the video? Is more so. Sarah w- actually was there in the kitchen. She was watching cartoons in the living room the day of the jump, so she was there. And, um, and I... I this is where this is where ECTs come in and they take some of your memory away. She had been actually been pounding on the window of the car when I had gotten into the car oh. that day. She was pounding on the window saying, "Mommy, mommy." Um, so she was there and she she heard about you know what had happened. She was told what happened and but Noah did not find out until probably about two years ago. Okay. When we just kind of sat him down because he was seeing the book. And was asking questions. So, well, I can tell you, and I'll, I'll tell the audience. Um, you know, people who suffer from clinical depression or even other mental illnesses, but we'll stay on the clinical depression part. Women, in particular, with postpartum depression, never question a mother. Okay, they're some of the strongest people you will ever meet. And Tina, you fall into that category. People who are suffering from depression, who are contemplating suicide, believe it or not. At that moment, they're stronger than the average person is. Mm. Trust me on that one. If you're able to fight those instincts or you're going to do it, you try to do it, and something brings you back, as the trooper did, State Trooper Les Bolt, and you've turned this into a positive. Yes. And that's the best part of this whole story. You have turned it into a positive. Your story is out, your book is out, and this will hopefully be a little bit better with it um, to keep getting the word out. Tina, I can't can't say enough. I, uh, your strength is incredible. And I want to, before we break, about two minutes left in the show, and I kind of want to go back over uh, depression itself and suicide. We talked about symptoms of depression earlier. These are warning signs of of depression with a possible suicide attached to it sudden switch from being sad to being very calm or appearing to be happy. Usually that means the person has made the decision to attempt suicide and they're okay with it. They've made a choice. Uh, Talking or thinking about death. Uh, Having a death wish. That could be anything. Racing cars, jumping off of buildings, whatever it may be. Putting affairs in order saying things like, the world would be better off without me. Don't ever take the fact that someone makes what would be maybe a suicide threat lightly. Really, you should contact a professional. And anyone out there who is 
suffering from any sort of depression, call 911. Don't think for a second you're bothering people. You know, people don't care. Pick up the phone, call 911, and get yourself from help. There is no crime in having a disorder or having an issue you're trying to deal with. The true crime is not dealing with it. Because then you're hurting yourself even more so, and you're bringing the people around you down with you. Think of it that way. Get yourself the help, if not for yourself, for the people around you who love you and want you to stay there. Um, Gina, again, about 30 seconds left. Are you still doing public speaking and so forth? Um, here and there, yes. Okay, so yes. people could reach you through your Facebook if they wanted to? Sure. Okay, sure. great. I want to get, make sure it gets out there. You can go on Tina's Facebook. Just type in Tina Zahn, Z-A-H-N. And uh, I'm pretty sure if you approach her nicely, she'll get back to you and uh, she'll find a way uh, to make it happen. Tina, thank you so much. I'm so happy for you and your family. And um, I can't say thank you enough again for getting help me get the word out today about clinical depression, in particular postpartum depression. Oh, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks again, and sorry the Packers didn't make it this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Tita.